SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yuridamarang, hello, I'm your host Luana Grant and welcome to NITV Radio for this Wednesday the 24th of January. Coming up on today's show, NITV Radio takes a look back at an interview with Bundjalung woman, Chef Mindy Woods, who appears on SBS series Great Australian Walks with Julia Zamiro. Mindy chats to NITV Radio about her involvement on the series, her restaurant Kakala and her plans to soon launch her own native food line. NITV Radio also chats to Dallas Whittacombe, CEO of Bendigo Aboriginal Cooperative, who explains about the process leading up to the decision to mark, sorry, to make Jan 26 a more inclusive day and how traditional owners in the area are observing it. And we share a few stories from our NITV news team. All these stories and more coming up after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, heatwave conditions expected to persist for much of the country. The UN chief calls for further aid access into northern Gaza. And First Nations opera singer will take on an iconic role as leading lady of the popular musical West Side Story. Victorian Premier Jacinta Allen has responded to the shock announcement that the state opposition would withdraw support for a treaty with the Indigenous community, saying they never expressed any concerns to her government prior. Ms Allen says she believes the decision was made as early as October, accusing the Victorian opposition of withholding their position on treaty negotiations for months. Victoria Nationals leader Peter Walsh made the announcement on Sky News on Sunday night that the coalition had held an internal meeting and decided to drop its support. Premier Allen says the move is a complete U-turn, accusing the coalition of misleading Victoria's Indigenous peoples. The announcement from the from the Liberal Party under John Pizzuto's leadership is a complete U-turn that's not been discussed, as I understand, with the government, and it's certainly uh, not been discussed with the Indigenous community who are now left to pick up the pieces... Opera Australia has announced their leading lady for their 2024 production of the popular musical West Side Story. First Nations opera singer Nina Korb will take on the iconic role of Maria when it hits the stage on Sydney Harbour in March. At just 25 years old, Ms Korb is a rising star in the Australian opera scene. She's told NITV being offered the role fulfils a lifelong dream. The music is just breathtaking and the dance sequences, it's such a wonderful spectacle to see. So to now be a part of it and to have it as my professional debut, it really feels oh, like such a dream. It really is so perfect. 
Heatwave conditions are expected to persist for many parts of the country with a cool change not anticipated until later in the week. A wave of hot weather and some regions are sweltering through temperatures that peaked in their mid-40s on Tuesday. The Weather Bureau predicted this will continue, forecasting both maximum and minimum temperatures to be 5 to 12 degrees Celsius above average throughout the rest of the week. Temperatures are set to reach the mid-30s to low 40s during the day and low to high 20s overnight in New South Wales, with the mercury at its highest on Thursday and Friday. Severe heatwave conditions are also forecast for South Australia's northwest, northeast and Flinders regions, with some areas expected to hit the mid-40s. A cool change is set to develop later on Wednesday, with a low-intensity heatwave lingering across the northeast by Sunday. North Queensland is preparing for tropical cyclone Kiralee to make landfall on Thursday night or early on Friday morning, as the Bureau of Meteorology says the tropical low is taking longer than expected to intensify. It was initially predicted to hit the coast between Cardwell and Airlie Beach on Thursday night as a Category 3 system. But the Bureau of Meteorology says the system has slowed and could cross the coast as a Category 2 between Townsville and Eyre on Thursday night or early on Friday morning morning. Angus Hines from the Bureau of Meteorology told Channel 9 the tropical low is still about 700 kilometres off the coast. So we're currently forecasting the system to cross the coast probably Thursday evening, Thursday night, sometime around there as a Category 2 tropical cyclone and that is a major weather system. The likely crossing area is somewhere between Cardwell and Bowen but it's looking most likely that it will be in the Townsville area. It will be a pretty major weather event. We're looking at persistent heavy rain and storms. We're looking at very strong wind, damaging, possibly even destructive wind gusts. The state is facing its third natural disaster and second cyclone in a month. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has defended the changes made to his Stage 3 tax cuts, saying it's vital to consider the needs of struggling low- to middle-income earners. The PM is expected to alter his plan to maintain the 37% tax cut and increase the low-income tax offset for those earning up to $50,000. Various media reports say middle-income earners will be offered a more generous deal, while those on higher salaries will receive more modest returns than originally anticipated. The Prime Minister says the proposal he is introducing to the Labor caucus this afternoon is all about assisting middle Australia or low to middle income earners during a cost of living crisis. We know that there are cost of living pressures on middle Australia and we're determined to follow the Treasury advice to provide assistance to them. My determination and my job is to get the best outcome for Australians, is to respond to the circumstances which we confront. The PM will be outlining his economic policy at the National Press Club on Thursday. Nationals MP Barnaby Joyce has praised former Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who has announced his resignation from politics. Mr Joyce told the ABC Mr Morrison was always reliable and hard-working. He was very much a patriot of the Liberal cause. You have got to have people who devote themselves to the democratic process by devotion to their side of the political battle. The next thing is he was very much across his brief. He, he never turned up under bed. 
The former Prime Minister announced his resignation from politics on Tuesday in an Instagram post. He said after more than 16 years as the MP for the southern Sydney seat of Cook, he would take on new challenges in the global corporate sector and spend more time with family. Morrison said his new role would involve a series of global strategic advisory roles and private boards focused on the US and Indo-Pacific. In his first interview since the announcement, Mr Morrison told Sky News politicians can't complain about the difficulties of working in the space. You know, you let all the, the extent there's bitterness, you let it go. You, you let all of those things go. I'm sure there's things that, you know, you know people will need to forgive me for and I'll forgive them. Um, you, you just don't carry these things around for you and you look forward. We live in the best country in the world. The United Nations chief has once again called for further access into northern Gaza, citing the majority of aid missions in the past couple of months have been denied by Israel. Israeli authorities insist there will be no ceasefire agreement that leaves Hamas in power and hostages in Gaza, as 24 Israeli soldiers were killed on Monday in what they said was their worst day of losses in Gaza. The soldiers' deaths came on the day the Israeli military launched its biggest operation in a month to seize remaining parts of Khan Yunus that is sheltering hundreds of thousands of displaced Palestinians. UN Chief Antonio Guterres says the situation is earth-breaking and catastrophic for Palestinians in Gaza. The humanitarian situation in Gaza is appalling. With winter bearing down, 2.2 million Palestinians in Gaza face inhumane, squalid conditions struggling to simply make it through another day without proper shelter, heating, sanitary facilities, food and drinking water. Everyone in Gaza is hungry, with a quarter of Gaza's population, more than half a million people, grappling with catastrophic levels of food insecurity. Palestinian health officials said at least 195 Palestinians have been killed in the past 24 hours, raising the documented death toll from Israeli airstrikes and shelling to 25,490. Thousands more are feared lost in the rubble. More than 1,000 women have taken the opportunity to participate in a trial to receive one year's supply of the contraceptive pill from pharmacists. The trials in Victoria, New South Wales and the ACT began in late 2023 and apply to eligible women already prescribed the pill, looking to loosen restrictions that force people to use busy GP clinics. More than 800 Victorians and 600 people in New South Wales and the ACT have taken up the opportunity in the first few months. More than 1,600 pharmacies are participating so far, with similar trials to begin in Queensland and South Australia in 2024. The Pharmaceutical Society of Australia say there is a need to improve patients' timely access to contraceptives. And now for a look at today's weather. Broome, a possible shower or storm, 33. Perth, sunny, 29. Adelaide, a possible shower, 29. Melbourne, a possible shower or storm, 29. Hobart, a shower or two clearing, 25. Aubrey-Wodonga, a possible shower, 35. Canberra, partly cloudy, 32. Wollongong, partly cloudy, 29. Sydney, sunny, 31. Newcastle, also sunny, 33. Brisbane, partly cloudy, 30. 
Townsville, windy, mostly sunny, 36. Cairns, partly cloudy, 35. Darwin, rain and a possible storm, 31. And the Torres Strait Islands, rain and a possible storm, 30. And that is NITV Radio News. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, NITV Radio takes a look back at an interview with Bundjalung woman, Chef Mindy Woods. And NITV Radio also chats to Dallas Whittacombe, CEO of Bendigo Aboriginal Cooperative, who explains about the process leading up to the decision to make Jan 26 a more inclusive day. But first, here are a few of the top stories from our NITV news team. After years of bipartisan backing, the Victorian Coalition has backflipped on its support for the state treaty process over concerns with cultural heritage laws. Despite the blow, Victoria's First Nations People's Assembly says the walk towards treaty continues with hopes for negotiations to begin this year. Cam Gooley reports. The democratic voice for Victoria's First Nations people taken by surprise. Obviously, over the last little while, we've had some uh, surprising news. Um, Some disappointing news. The First People's Assembly finding out via the media that the state's coalition no longer supports the treaty process. Its Aboriginal Affairs spokesman raising concerns over cultural heritage laws. There's no compulsion on timelines. There's no real set fee structure. There's no appeal process. I think there are concerns that they have raised, but there are concerns that traditional owners would also raise about the cultural heritage process. And to my view, it's through treaty that we can have those conversations and make progress. The government and the Greens accusing the opposition of using heritage concerns as an excuse to play politics. To be quite frank, they're using this to crab walk away from treaty. This is a gutless decision by the Liberals and Nationals. And it's so disappointing when we've got a really successful process that's begun to see so-called leaders in this state walk away from something so historic. Peter Walsh announced the decision during a television interview on Sunday, but said the actual policy change was agreed to last spring. Today, opposition leader John Pesuto refused to say when the coalition made the decision. There have been lots of discussions, lots of decision points along the way, and I've always made it clear that we have been discussing the matter. Despite the setback, the march towards treaty continues. I want to rest assured our community that there is still a path towards treaty. We continue to work towards treaty. A task centuries in the making. Cameron Gooley, NITV News. The mother of Cassius Turvey, Michelle, is in the running to become the Australian of the Year. Michelle Turvey, who lost her youngest son after he was assaulted while walking home from school, is now working as an advocate for victims of crime. The WA mother is also passing on her knowledge to help train police recruits. Cassius Turvey will forever be 15 years old, remembered as a loving son and a leader amongst his friends. His mother, Michelle Turvey, has made it her mission to keep his legacy alive. 
He was always happy helping people out. The Noongar Yamaji boy was assaulted on his walk home from school in October 2022. He died from his injuries. His death sparked an outpouring of grief and anger in his community, quickly growing across the country and overseas. Rallies were held in 48 locations. That boy represented our hopes, our dreams, our future, and they took it from us. Four people have been charged and have pleaded not guilty over his death and are due to stand trial next year. Amidst the anger, Michelle Turvey called for calm and unity. Her experiences with police in the wake of her son's death prompted her to fight for systemic change in the way police deal with victims of violent crimes. A lot of police, they don't understand the issues in relation to First Nations people, let alone the kinship structures, let alone the impacts of victims. Michelle brings that to the fore. Her program, Take 5, is about spending five minutes or even five seconds to ask someone how they are. The recruits were blown away. It was extremely successful because Michelle carries with her a presence and a reputation and you can see that she is all in. She's been recognised as the 2024 Western Australian of the Year and is a nominee for the national title. She is representing not only black people but all people from Western Australia in Canberra in the next several weeks. Mama's on a mission. Yeah, they ain't stopping when it comes to Michelle Turvey. She says Cassius was named by her older brother, who wanted him to be known as a strong black man. Christopher Tan, NITV News. Opera Australia has announced their leading lady for their 2024 production of the popular musical West Side Story. And a rising First Nations opera star will take on the iconic role of Maria when it hits the stage on Sydney Harbour in March. Ricky Kirby with this story. It's a tale of forbidden love set in the poor and racially charged streets of New York City, brought to life in a high-energy outdoor spectacular to be staged with the backdrop of the Sydney Opera House. Growing up, I loved the musical. The music is just breathtaking and the dance sequences. It's such a wonderful spectacle to see. So to now be a part of it and to have it as my professional debut, it really feels oh, like such a dream. It really is so perfect. Now set to be retold in a production reflective of 21st century Australia, featuring a First Nations lead. Proud Kawa Kuku Yulanji Waka Waka soprano Nina Korba will play Maria. I think what's so beautiful about Maria is the story that is told through her is one of adversity and feeling a little bit like an outsider, which is something that I think many First Nations people all over the world can resonate with. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility playing this character and I'm really excited to give it my best job and hopefully connect with people and tell her story truthfully. She'll star alongside tenor Billy Bershear. The two of us, there was this ever so slight this pull and pull and tug of oh I don't know how this is going to work and then we started singing together and our voices just matched and it was just like oh this sinking feeling into comfort our voices blend so nicely together and he's really really fun to sing with I think it's a really electric match on stage at just 25 years old Nina is a rising star in the Australian opera scene gosh when you've got the orchestra just swelling around you it's it's magical and so yeah I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else.
Inspired by those around her, including her aunt, veteran actor, writer and director Leah Purcell. Very, very proud to see Nina sort of on her path, you know, bringing her dream to fruition. And this is just the start for this uh, young lady. And an inspiration to those behind her. I just want to make sure that what I do creates a good representation for what we can do as First Nations peoples and make it easier for the next one coming behind me. Ricky Kirby, NITV News. Renowned actor Lillian Crombie has been laid to rest in her hometown of Port Pirie in regional South Australia. It was a joyous and heartfelt farewell for the multi-talented performer who passed away earlier this month at the age of 66. Ricky Kirby reports. A final love letter to a trailblazer. Dearest Mum, my lily of the valley. Well, my dearest, here we are at what seems like the end, but I know that your story will carry on for as long as it's willed to be carried. Lillian Crombie, remembered by family, friends and fans. There's going to be some singing and some dancing here today. And so your clapping and participation in enjoying what is to offer is more than welcome because this is Lillian's final performance. A proud Pijinjara Yunkanjara woman, Lillian was an all-round performer, trained in classical ballet and a pioneer of Australian theatre, having appeared across film and TV in titles such as Australia, The Secret Life of Us and Mystery Road. She got to stand there and maintain the fire and care for the land for us all to step on to make our way. Thank you for leaving an enduring legacy in so many of us who knew you who were inspired by you, who are forever grateful and better for having your being be a part of our lives. Honoured across the country with a separate memorial event at Carriage Works in Sydney and concluding with a standing ovation, a testament to her lasting legacy. Ricky Kirby, NITV News. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Last year, in its July meeting, the Greater Bendigo City Council voted to move its Australia Day citizenship ceremony from January 26 and resolved to work with local traditional owners to plan more inclusive events on the day. Bendigo Aboriginal Cooperative is one of the First Nations organisations involved in the changes. Dallas Whittacombe, CEO of Bendigo Aboriginal Cooperative, explained to NITV Radio's Birchin Tungandami about the process leading up to the decision. And traditional owners in the area are observing the day. joined by Dallas Whittacombe, CEO of Bendigo District Aboriginal Cooperative, to explore the city of Bendigo's recent decision to mark January 26 in a way that's respectful to First Nations people. Dallas, welcome to NITV Radio. Thank you. Great to be on. The city of Bendigo has made a move to mark January 26 in a way that's respectful to First Nations people, in a way that's more inclusive. 
the first uh, decided to change the citizenship ceremonies. They'll be marked on the 25th and not on the 26th. And this is a, a move, uh, I gather, that was supported and inspired uh, by uh, your organization and other First Nations communities in the area. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the work started about two years ago. Um, and to be honest, probably the reason for it not happening before then was our First Nations community just uh, making sure that the statement and the intentions of the council reflected our our Aboriginal community. It has been a long time coming, um, but we wanted to make sure we did it right and we're just super excited that um, we're going to celebrate our our new citizens of our community on, on a different day, on a day that isn't such a hurtful day for our people. Yeah, January 26th, so often referred to actually for many decades now as a day of mourning, invasion day, but uh, so far, councils, even uh, on a higher level, states and federal level, uh, authorities have been dragging their feet in uh, acknowledging the hurt it causes to First Nations people. Probably, you know, generally Australia would think of as some radical councils out there that made a move a number of years ago. Look, I think that what has helped cancel is the Albanese government allowing citizenship ceremonies to happen on a different day. I think that's made the decision a lot easier for cancelers. But, you know, all in all, we're, we're really excited about the outcome. You said it took uh, about two years to actually agree on a text uh, and uh, work out uh, a resolution that would be agreeable to First Nations people and the council itself. There must have been some difficult uh, negotiations going on. Tell us about the process and the negotiations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it probably wasn't that. It wasn't probably wasn't as robust and difficult as people think. The first meeting held in Bendigo was um, by the councillors. They met with uh, us as Aboriginal leaders around a room to just talk about what we thought about January 26th, and they wanted to hear our, our honest opinion. So, you know, we explained to them that for us it is a day of mourning. And, and we don't think it's appropriate to celebrate anything on that day. The, those were the discussions. We had COVID during the middle of it, so it was harder to meet. Um, we had some change in leadership. So we just wanted to make sure that we did it right and, and we're all happy with, with how it was going to go. Reflecting back on the night that it went to cancel, there was a number of us Aboriginal leaders in the room. Um, it was pretty much unanimous, um, which was great. Leading up to this uh, decision to change, there had been uh, numerous calls, as I was saying before, but councils have been dragging their feet. But First Nations people in many other areas, I can think of Ballarat or even uh, the city of Melbourne, have been organising a day of mourning, and uh, they've been organising in some cases even uh, invasion, uh, Anzac Day-style um, Dawn services was uh, were your people involved in these kind of ceremonies? Uh, what were you doing yeah, before? This, is, this, is, uh, this has been the first year on my um, not not new to the the Benigan District Aboriginal Cult, but I've only been in the position of CEO for the last twelve months. Yeah. So my first um, invasion day events happened this year. So what what we did we we had a dawn service, so super important for our community, but also. I've got a personal connection. My grandfather, who's still alive today, is a Vietnam vet, and and he returned without settlements uh, like the the mainstream uh, people that fought for the country. So it's it's 
super important that we acknowledge our Aboriginal soldiers. So in the morning we do a dawn a dawn service, um, and then after that we have we had a survival day event. So we had a, an event where we had all our community come. We had over 500 people. We had, um, uh, you know, performers, things for kids to do. It was fantastic. We didn't advertise it uh, yeah. deliberately because we wanted just to be a really safe space for our community. Um, and we were just spun out by the turnout and we, we've made a commitment to have both ceremonies on that day of mourning for the next few years at least. Will the council participate in uh, the events that you organise? You said uh, you made it low-key, didn't advertise it. Will it be uh, jointly uh, marked by the council or it's just going to be... So, so we had councillors come but it was really important for us as community for councillors not to be there in an official capacity. So they, if they wanted to be there, they can be there. But th- but this event is for our community to mourn. It's not for uh, people to be seen at the event. So something very, um, I would say, intimate and... Uh, yeah, and we can... chose, you know, yeah. my board and myself, we chose not to recognise uh, councillors that were there. We, we, tried, we, we, we decided to recognise our elders that were there because yeah. um, for us that that's so important. No, I, I remember going to one of the events organized in uh, Melbourne and uh, you mentioned acknowledging uh, those who uh, paid uh, the highest price on battlefields and all that. And uh, in one of these events, actually, there was uh, uh, people recalled and spoke about all the massacre sites across Victoria and, uh, yeah. and even around the country, which is... Uh, yeah, very sad to know. Some of them were known, and some others uh, were just discovering them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really important day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and even to you know acknowledge not only that our Aboriginal people have fought for this country in a certain amount of wars, but also to acknowledge the frontier wars and, and what happened when when uh, non-Aboriginal people arrived on our shores. Before I let you go, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I do have one. Uh, as we've spoken about this, let me tell the listeners, it is a matter of time before this date's changed. There is so much momentum. We've seen it over the years. I saw some polls that, you know, um, 80% of people under 40 want the date changed. It's going to happen. Um, to my people out there, bear with us. It'll, it'll um, take more advocacy, but it'll happen. The date will change. Um, and hopefully it's one we can celebrate together as a nation. Dallas Willicom, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today. Anytime, thanks. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. And you're listening to NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Next up, we take a look back at an interview with Bundjalung woman, Chef Mindy Woods, who was guest on SBS series with Julia Zamiro. Great Australian Walks with Julia Zamiro takes viewers on 10 of Australia's greatest day walks in New South Wales, ACT, Victoria and Tasmania.
Mindy Woods was a contestant on season four of MasterChef back in 2012 and has since opened her own restaurant on beautiful Bundjalung country called Kakala. Mindy chats to me about her involvement on Great Australian Walks with Julia Zamiro, her restaurant and her plans to soon launch her own native food line. Thanks so much for coming on NITV Radio today. Firstly, as I mentioned, you feature in the SBS series, The Great Australian Walks with Julia Zamiro, where throughout the 10 episodes, the audience is taken on adventures as Julia embarks on 10 of Australia's greatest walks. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and your involvement? Yeah, it was such an exciting program to be part of. It's about time we had a beautiful travel program that really does kind of showcase our beautiful nation. You featured on episode eight um, when Julia visits uh, Byron Bay. Can you tell us a little bit more about your involvement in the show and how it came to be that you were on the show? Yeah, it was so beautiful to be approached by SBS to be part of Great Australian Walks with Julia and to give people a real taste of what Bundjalung's country and Byron Bay is really about, you know, especially through that cultural lens. They reached out to me because I've got a beautiful little First Nations restaurant up there called Kakala. And I think they really wanted to get a real, you know, taste of country when they came up to town. And Julia explores the Indigenous history of the areas that she's visiting. And there are a number of familiar faces featuring in each episode, such as actress Tasma Walton, David King. I know Gwenda Stanley also features in one of the episodes. Um, And they share stories about culture and country. What did you love the most about being able to share your culture and knowledge from your country? I just think the thing is when they can't, people come up, they travel up to Byron Bay, they can get this trendy hip little beach town but of course it's got a rich ancient history that's been there for thousands of years before Byron Bay existed you know we call Byron Bay Cavern Bar which traditionally means meeting place and we have got such a rich culture there native food culture you know our First Nations people there that are still living there to this day and to actually look at Byron Bay through a cultural lens and see what rich history is actually there beyond the beautiful beaches and the bikinis that everybody's wear wears. It was just really beautiful to be able to show that. And what did you and Julia get up to on that episode? Yeah, Julia and I walked along those beautiful main beaches. I showed us some of the beautiful native food that grows on the eastern coastline there. Of course, Kakala, we picked up pig face Kakala and I told her, you know, the story about the first time I picked it with my nan, Margie Felton, and how that was the first time I fell in love with native food and how important native food is not just for mob but for all Australians to look after, to protect and to celebrate. And in 2012, you were a contestant on season four of MasterChef and came fourth. What was that experience like for you to be involved in a show like that? It's obviously very different to Great Australian Walks. So what was that experience like? Oh, being part of MasterChef is a pretty wild ride, (laughs) you know what I mean? You don't really know what to expect Mm. and it was an incredible experience because I'm such a lover of food. I actually went back last year and did the fans and favourite season as well and that's where I got an opportunity to really showcase what our beautiful native food is all about because back when I did it originally in 2012, native food wasn't really accessible, you know, to a lot of us. It wasn't accessible to mob, it wasn't accessible to the general public but there's been this real resurgence and a real desire to learn more at the moment, which means it's become a lot more accessible. So to be able to represent 
culture through food was something really special. And what made you audition for MasterChef? How did that all like come about? Oh, my, my, my mob dubbed me in. I would have <laughs> never have applied. You know what family's like when they yeah. know that you love, you know, feeding people and you love cooking up. They snuck behind my back and filled in an application for me. And the oh, next no. thing you knew, <laughs> I was getting contacted by the production company to come in for an audition. So I'm really happy I did it. And I really encourage anyone that loves food and loves to talk about their story to, to give it a go because far out, we've got a lot to be proud of as a culture and we've got a lot to showcase with native food and I'd love to see more First Nations people on there. Yeah, and can you tell us a little bit about your beautiful restaurant, Kakala, that you mentioned before uh, that's in Byron Bay and what do you love the most about owning your own restaurant? Oh, I feel so proud to be able to showcase our beautiful native food. People don't realise that we've got 6,500 ingredients that are unique to this country and I really try and source food locally and seasonally according to our cultural and seasonal calendars. So what I showcase up there is food that my community has been eating for thousands of years, that our old people showed us that it wasn't just food, it was medicine, it, there were cultural tools, there was so much more to our food and our ingredients than just being a food. And to be able to show that and to be able to connect people with our culture through our food is something so special. It's really hard work. Like owning a restaurant is like not easy. <laughs> and I would say go into it with caution for anyone that's thinking about doing it. But to be able to see people's expressions when they're trying our flavours and enjoying our foods and understanding that important cultural connection that exists between our ingredients and our culture is something that I'm really, really proud and privileged to do. And where do you draw your inspiration from when you're cooking and creating dishes for your menu? And what are also some of your favourite ingredients to use when you are cooking? Oh, I mean, country gives you the inspiration. I mean, I just have to walk out on country and the inspiration's right there. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I serve at Kakala is actually sourced, you know, from country. I grow it in my own backyard or mm. might be down the beach, you know, getting the yogurt, getting the pippy, and that's where I really get the inspiration. The flavours of our food is so unique. And we just think of, you know, conjuring up those experiences of when we were little and we're down on the beach with our nan and we're cooking up a feed. That's what I try and recreate. And I just try and do it in a bit more of a flash and modern way, you know. So, you know, I do love the coastal seafood. I do love all those beautiful coastal succulents. I love all the myrtles that we get to play with. So anise myrtle and cinnamon myrtle and lemon myrtle, you know, they are such a beautiful native spice. They're so much deadlier than the introduced spices that we have and to be able to kind of really highlight those flavours and cook with things that come from country. It's just really special. And I read that you'll soon be launching your own native food line a little later this year. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, the idea about launching my own native food line is to try and make our native food more accessible for the everyday consumer. There's such a desire for people to be able to experience native food and they shouldn't just be in the flash restaurants, you know, the high-end restaurants. They need to be in our backyards. They need to be in our home kitchens. I'd love to see all Australians embrace these beautiful native ingredients because I think that native food is going to be really important for the reconciliation of our country. And lastly, just bringing it back to Great Australian Walks with Julia Zamiro, what was your favourite part about being on the show? You know, my favourite part about being on the show was just being able to walk out on our beautiful beaches on country with Julia and to see her face and to see her heart so full of pride and interest 
when we're talking about country. There's a real listening out there at the moment for our stories and for our culture. And I'm just so grateful I got the opportunity to spend that time with Julia and for her to really take on what beautiful Bunjilung juggling is all about. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mindy. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. (laughs) And hopefully I can get up to Byron Bay and visit your restaurant because it sounds amazing. Yeah, way, sister girl. Looking forward to seeing you up in Byron Bay soon. Thank you so much. Good to chat. You're with NITV Radio. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. And that's what we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of our stories at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Friday with more stories from right across the country. I'm your host, Lawana Grant. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.